Hi, this is Eric Sinra from Dwayne Morris, joined by my colleague Jonathan Armstrong from Cordery. We're bringing you your weekly Tech Law 10 podcast where the law and information technology intersect. Today's podcast is a little bit somber. We're now in the wake of, oh, the tragedy or tragedies that happened in Paris a little more than or about a week ago. So, Jonathan, I know you had some thoughts to begin the conversation, so I'll turn it back to you. Yes, thank you, Eric. And as you rightly say, I mean, our thoughts and our prayers are with those in uh, Paris, including the uh, young uh, Hogan Lovell's lawyer who had so much to offer and was a uh, victim of those terrible attacks. I was thinking on uh, Friday and Saturday what I could do uh, to help. And I did a, a few things, but my mind also turned to social media as well. And I assume with many of us on the call, we often wonder uh, what uh, is the right thing to do and what would be difficult. For example, I looked at the Port Ouvert uh, initiative, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the idea was that on Twitter, people who could offer accommodation would offer it via Twitter for those who were stranded in the center of the city. And, and I must admit, I had a look at the whether Eurostar was running or not because we'd made an initial plan to make some office space available to uh, French lawyers who were stranded in, in London. And, and obviously that, uh, after some investigation, didn't seem to be uh, necessary, so we didn't tweet anything at all. And uh, uh, But I think one of the comments is, however, that uh, I think in, in a natural disaster, it's a very, uh, uh, and this obviously wasn't a natural disaster, but in, in a natural disaster or, or even a disaster of any kind, people try, rightly, I think, to reach out and help their fellow man. And the question, I think, on social media is how do they do that. It's the same difficulties that we talked about with all other areas of social media, that people think they should react immediately and they react from the heart. But sometimes that might not be the best way forward. And I think my thoughts are being consolidated by an interesting article, and do read it, in Forbes by uh, Yale Graver. And he's looked at uh, some of these same things uh, that I've been talking about. And the first thing I think to say is that in any type of tragedy like that, bandwidth is actually quite precious, mobile bandwidth. So we all know after 9-11, uh, for example, admittedly when networks were older, um, there were issues with mobile cell phone coverage. That in some respects is rationed anyway by the availability in big cities. And it's rationed even more in times of crisis because obviously the emergency services rightly need a lot of bandwidth uh, to deal with these incidents. And at times, uh, and, and I don't know whether this is the case in Paris or not, but at times the uh, authorities, again rightly in my view, sometimes need to take specific cells down uh, if they're going to stop further attacks or stop the attackers communicating with each other. So bandwidth tends to be quite precious. And with the Port Ouvert 
at hashtag we had the other issue i think of people were using twitter not to make an offer to the stranded but to say how great it was to make offers to the stranded and the result was that the tweets about people saying how great it was drowned out the original initiative. It was very hard for people to use Port Uver for its original purpose of finding accommodation because if they put in the hashtag, all they could find was people saying, what a great initiative, I support it. So I guess almost my plea, and I don't want to be in any way a uh, a moaning ginny, as we would call it in the UK. It's absolutely great that we have these initiatives. And let's just take people's applause at these initiatives as read. And if you do feel the need to say something about it, then use a different hashtag. So, you know, call it, I don't know, applaud Portuver rather than using the Portuver hashtag. And let's leave the hashtag itself to do the greatest good. Because if you're wholeheartedly supporting the initiative, then let it work rather than get in its way. And before you go on, and I know you have a couple more comments, and I will as well. For those who are unfamiliar here in the States, can you please explain the Porto Ver hashtag briefly? Yeah, sorry. So the uh, Porto Ver, so basically what happened is, of course, uh, as well as those people who terribly lost their lives, there were people who were lost in the middle of a city and they didn't know where the next attack was coming. Now, many of them just knocked on the door and asked for shelter. So some, for example, from one of the restaurants attacked, uh, I, I know ended up apparently in a comedy club because that was you know, a, a safe building a little bit away from the attack and they ended up of all the places to be in a night like that for shelter in a, in a comedy club who obviously uh, adapted what they did and, and accommodated these people. Because what the police were saying was get off the streets, get behind a locked door. We don't know uh, who's out there when the next attack is going to take place. And as you might recall, at the time there was also a very large, I think 70,000 uh, attended football match in the city as well. So an awful lot of people who were not local in the, uh, in the environment of, of the attack. So as a result, this hashtag, Portuver, which means literally open door, set up for people who had a spare room or would open their door to a complete stranger who was outside and in peril. A fantastic initiative. You know, I'm, I'm not in any way undermining the initiative. In fact, the opposite. I'm saying it was a brilliant, ingenious, charitable way of responding to such a horrible attack to say, despite the fact that the police have told me for my own safety to be behind a locked door, I'm going to open it. If you see my address on Twitter, the door will be open and, and come in and you'll get a welcome, you'll get a bed for the night. So phenomenal initiative. And as I say, the difficulty is that unintentionally, very well-meaning people, at least according to, the, to Forbes, uh, they were hampered in their aim to offer people sanctuary by people saying how great it was that they were offering people sanctuary. Does that explain it? It does very well. Thank you. I think that's helpful. And did you have a couple more comments, or should I jump in? At this I had, yeah, I had just a couple of others. And from a corporate world, I think that um, there's a couple of other lessons that I saw that people could learn. 
first of all, um, obviously, like this, as in any other time, be careful what you tweet. And that comes in a whole host of different guises. Um, I know one well-known journalist in the UK tweeted something uh, particularly insensitive because he didn't know what had happened, and he was tweeting about something uh, completely different. He um, did absolutely the right thing, I think, and apologized immediately, said that the tweet had gone without him having any knowledge of the incident and was unrelated, and, uh, and he apologized unreservedly. Absolutely the right way of behaving. If you're a corporate, watch out for um, pre-programmed posts. So if you use an application like Buffer, they may be set to tweet during a disaster. Often a great idea to stop that happening. Um, obviously, people aren't really going to read them. If they are going to read them, they're not going to be sympathetic to you. And as I said, networks like Twitter and cell phone capacity are all precious at that time. Let's leave them for where they're doing the greatest good. Uh, one of the things that I did see on, uh, on uh, Twitter, which I thought was good, uh, again, carrying on the port of air theme, hotels offering free accommodation to people stranded. You know, that's, that's to be applauded, obviously, as long as it's not done cynically. And Facebook, you know, people often criticize Facebook, but they are doing good things in terms of their safety check. I know they launched that through, uh, because of the Nigerian attacks as well. So this ability to trace your uh, friends and ensure that they're safe. Um, just a couple of other things. Uh, I guess uh, for most organizations uh, and individuals, probably not the time to uh, engage in political rants. Uh, there is a time for that, but it's not whilst the incident's happening. And also look out for accuracy. If you're retweeting rumors and gossip, be careful that they're true. So the example that Forbes gives uh, was of people saying that the Sangat refugee camp, so this camp near Calais, near the Eurotunnel, had been targeted by people seeking revenge attacks. Not helpful to say that. It wasn't true. And I think it just instills that idea in the minds of some that it's okay to take this out on people of a particular religion because they uh, share the alleged religion of the attackers. So unhelpful comments like that, I think, uh, you know, don't, don't have a place, particularly whilst the attack's still going on. Obviously, things like retweeting the uh, suspects that are trying to be identified would be a more helpful way of behaving. And then on the assistance front, I know you and I perhaps differ about this. I think things like uh, changing your profile picture on social media uh, is a way of showing that you would support it without taking up you know, the airwaves to say that. Uh, so Twibbons, for example, can be useful for those of you who who use Twibbons, changing your profile pictures, maybe just some general uh, post to say that um, uh, you, you know, you're shocked is, is fine, but as I said, don't use the same hashtag as those uh, first responders uh, and, and others uh, need uh, to, to help people. So sorry that's been, I, I don't know, slightly dictatorial, is it, or slightly... <laughs> No, <laughs> slightly okay, one-sided, but um, it be an emotional <laughs> plea from the heart to use social yeah. media responsibly in times of crisis. 
Yes, Jonathan, thank you. I, I think you made important points. I think you did so in a delicate and sensitive fashion. I don't think we're disagreeing on anything. You said we might have different opinions, but as I listen to you, I'm not coming up with anything that strikes me as uh, what I would come across uh, on a different point of view that you've expressed. Um, I will just make a few additional comments that you, again, you've spurred some thoughts of my own. Uh, I've noticed in particular on Facebook, you know, a lot of people have wanted to weigh in uh, immediately after the disasters in Paris. And I think they came from the heart. As you mentioned, people would superimpose the French flag, for example, on their profile picture, a lot of comments. And I think in many ways this is very useful for people to be able to express themselves, to also raise consciousness, uh, and, and basically build a world community against this type of terrorist activity. On the other hand, and there always is another hand, um, I wouldn't want that to get in the way of people doing more to actively help. Um, simply saying something on Facebook and then, okay, I've done my job, I'm finished. Well, not necessarily. I mean, there can be actions that can be taken to really help the situation other than saying, I deplore this, this shouldn't happen. And I'm not telling people what they should and shouldn't do. But my hope is that just being able to express yourself on social media uh, doesn't dampen what people might otherwise do sort of philanthropically where they can actually actively help uh, so that's my first point. Um, I agree with you completely that this isn't really the time for political rants, and I regret very much that in our presidential uh, race going on right now in the United States that it has sort of fanned the flames of political dialogue uh, where you know some of the candidates really want to jump on the bandwagon in the wake of Paris and say various things like, A, we shouldn't have any Syrian refugees coming to the United States, or B, if they come here or if they are here, they have to wear badges openly showing who they are. Well, what does that remind us of? It reminds us of, uh, you know, what the Jews had to wear uh, in the, you know, the Nazi days. Uh, and also there's a lot of, you know, drum beating in terms of waging war. And we just have to be careful uh, about, you know, this. And it makes me a little bit concerned. And then we have comments even where, this sort of gets more toward you know, our, our traditional tech law 10 because we deal with Internet issues. We have Donald Trump coming out recently saying that ISIS is winning the Internet war because they're using the Internet actively to recruit and bring in new members. And somehow, you know, we, we whoever the we are, we of the free world need, need to win the Internet war so ISIS can't actively recruit. I'm not sure how he intends for us to do that, but we, we're now seeing how uh, these events, these tragic events, are now showing up politically, and they're showing up in terms of, you know, what to do on the Internet. And, of course, we've been talking about how social media might beneficially help. So those are my um, sort of roundup thoughts, and we could go on a long time on this, and I'm sure a lot of people are talking about this. And, of course, we regret very much, um, uh, you know, what has happened, and we certainly offer our our sympathies and condolences to everybody who's been adversely affected. So I believe we've now gone to about Tech Law 17 on this one. So we'll now close. My name is Eric Sinrod. I'm at Dwayne Morris. Um, and my e email address is ejsinrod at DwayneMorris.com. As you know, we are on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, Jonathan, why don't you provide any uh, final thoughts or goodbye uh, at this point? Yeah, thank you. And and do engage with us on social media. And if you think we've got 
it right or wrong or there's other things we can be doing on social media in these difficult times, then then let us know via the LinkedIn group as well. I'm Jonathan Armstrong, jonathan.armstrong at cordycompliance.com. As Eric says, you can find us uh, on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and so on. All that remains is to thank you for listening and to say passionately, vive la France. Vive la France. Uh, uh, uh. 